0: Hey 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 beautiful humans, it's the Juice Queen here, delivering all those ooey gooey drippy topics that will leave you simply drenched in curiosity and connection. So let's vibe over, you know, da juice, shall we? My name is Noelle Mandolfo, and my sole mission is to make you feel seen, heard, valued, and validated in such a way that you remember who you truly are, and in that, you're never alone. This is a soft, safe, and sassy place where all of you is welcome. So come up, let's dive in. AJ's family coming at you hot from Asheville, North Carolina, one of the last legs of my road trip journey. If you've been following me around, I'm sitting down here with one of my long term friends from college, Corianne from Corianne Astrology. Hey, girl.
1: Hey, how's it going? Oh,
0: it's going so good. We haven't seen each other in nearly a decade, and Corianne has come a massively long way, and I'm just like so stoked to see. All the moves she's making and all the waves she's making with um, astrology and everything else that you're up to. So with that being said, tell us what you're up to. I want to know more. What what would you describe um, what you're doing and how did you fall into the stars like this?
1: Uh, Absolutely. Um, So I'm Corianne. I am currently located here in Asheville, North Carolina. I've been here for about six years now. Um, my journey with astrology began just uh, probably my early 20s, like right after I graduated from college, I... Go (laughs) NOLS! Go (laughs) NOLS! Um, I was feeling just burnt out and... Um, I graduated with a degree in art history, which is something that I love and I'm passionate about, but I just was not ready to jump into grad school, needed to be away from structure, and I found myself drawn to astrology. And mm-hmm. I dove headfirst in. I fig- like discovered my birth chart. Dis- I felt so seen when I first started uncovering everything within my birth chart. Mm-hmm. And um, it was incredibly empowering. Yeah. Um, And I entered astrology kind of with this mentality of, like, yes, like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to become an astrologer. And naturally, that it was not a direct line from point A to point B. Um, I've been up to a lot since then. But as the universe would have it, I have ended up right back where I started. And I'm so passionate about astrology. I love it so much. Mm. It's played such a huge role in my personal development. And... I truly believe that it's, you know, a language and a tool of empowerment that is accessible to anybody.
0: Totally. You know, what I've always seen in my mind what astrology is, is like this cosmic equation that we all calculate before we come into a body. And that we're like, I need a little bit of this, a dash of that, some more of this, heavy on the that, so that when I come back into this new body, I have more accessibility to whatever it is I need to work on so that I can get a faster route to basically ascension in a way um that's the way that I perceive it
1: yeah I love that comparison (laughs) I love that uh and one of the really amazing things about astrology is like it can really play whatever role you place emphasis on especially today where we have all these just amazing incredible minds taking all these different approaches and it can be as as simple or as complex as you want it to be yeah totally. yeah
0: actually Corian gave me um
1: a, a reading, a reading okay, yeah. yeah a
0: reading see I I I know enough about my own chart for definitely I would say a decade now when we were first homies how old were you when we back in the day I I, was, so I was like when we met I was probably like 22 23
1: I was probably like twenty, twenty one. Okay. You were born in ninety on your chart. I'm born in ninety one. Oh, oh, so Okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: So back then, although I feel we were both new our signs, probably our sun signs. And yeah. like the most basic info. Um, we didn't ever really connect like in that way. And so, you know, when I saw this was what you're up to, I was like, Heck yeah, dude. So, you know, set up this sesh with Corianne and, you know, you were just reading some of my chart to me and like I thought I knew some things and I do know some things, but like what you were sharing with me was really cool information that I, um, I, I literally looked at the same exact chart that you showed me and didn't know how to read it. So I feel like, uh, the, the art of the astrologist is giving us insight to what our soul almost already knows in a way but like can't read it if you will
1: absolutely (laughs) yeah I totally agree with that take on it I think that when we look at our birth charts we're seeing a blueprint for self-development and for um, kind of understanding the challenges that you're set up with in this life Mm -hmm. some of the things that uh, some default pattern beha- um, behavioral patterns both negative and positive um and you know when we when we come to an understanding of the role that all these things play in our lives yeah. we can exercise them right. and use those things to become better right. and re you know get on our our life's journey so to speak um, and really uh, be on a path that feels fulfilling yeah. and be a self that feels fulfilling.
0: Right. I So just when you were speaking, I was thinking of, you know, human design.
1: I'm semi-familiar. Because yeah.
0: um, I kind of see it as a blueprint as well. It's also something I don't know how to fucking read. Yeah.
1: I will say, okay, um, all you human design people out there, don't come at me or do <laughs> and prove me wrong, please. I would, I would love for somebody to explain to me in a way that feels more accessible. Any... Right. Any introduction I've had to human design, I've been a little bit turned off by some of the jargon used and mm-hmm. some of the phrasing. Yeah. Uh, kind of like, well, this percentage of people are this one and this person. And it feels kind of like um, elitist to me. Really? Yeah. Uh, I, but that, that being said, I've, like, looked it up online. Yeah. Like, I don't know... Yeah. Yeah, like I said, if, if there's anyone who does human design out there that wants to come and, like, Give me break a down why I'm yeah. wrong, I would love to hear it. Um, but but yes, absolutely. From what I do understand about the way people use human design, yeah. it can definitely be equated in a yeah. similar way. Um, it. it yeah, and it's, at the end of the day, you know, tools of self-development. Right. It's the blueprint it's, that we use to construct our lives. All
0: these things are quite interesting, like the Enneagram. Absolutely. Um, and also, um, uh, well, all these systems. So, yeah. Systems of yeah. learning the self. Are numerology. Like, numerology. And, and, yeah. Um, so cool.
1: I, I like that you drew that parallel because the way that I like to break down um, astrology, especially to clients who aren't super familiar with their own chart or astrology, is, is I like to refer to it as a language. Mm. And a lot of astrologers um, have have used the same parallel, but it's it's a language. It's a yeah. it's a it's a language that uses metaphor and archetype to help us break down these big cosmic concepts yeah. into digestible, understandable yeah. ways in which we can apply them to our own lives.
0: Yes. I just find it interesting that a lot of those systems all derive from the same things. Where were you born? What time? What, you know, the date and all that. And um, that's what makes me feel like there's some kind of cosmic system that we all, like, computed, like, doot i am going to be born on 222 at 232 so that I can be XYZ, you know. Um, yes, that is my birthday. <laughs> um I kind of want to throw out that on 22222 22, I turn 32.
1: That's some cosmic <laughs> shit right there
0: And it's a Tuesday. So I stoked anywho.
1: That's the ultimate birthday
0: <laughs> be super golden. Um, okay so let's talk about charts and um maybe what the like how can we decode the language what are some key things that someone can pull from their chart maybe
1: yeah uh so i think that over the last few years we've definitely seen like a growing surgence in pop culture Mm -hmm. in the popularity of astrology yeah and it's been really great to see because i feel like we've had this shift from people whether you believe in astrology or not whether it's your thing or not (laughs) Mm -hmm. everyone knows what their sun sign is it's it's inevitable yeah um but we've kind of shifted into this narrative of when we are meeting people we use this language of what's your sun moon and rising and and we'll use that as a tool to Get this quick snapshot of this person's energy and the way they approach sure. their lives and the way they interact with people. And so, you know, if you're looking for an in- intro into astrology, a great place to start is your sun, moon, and rising. Um, there are, in accordance with traditional uh, astrological methods, seven planets. Uh, more modern interpretations include all 10 planets and we're including the moon as a planet here mm-hmm. um, and the sun as a planet as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say if you're looking to start getting an understanding of your chart, the best part place to start is with your personal planets. Your sun, your moon and your rising are the most uh, central to self. Um, And when we expand from that, we have our Mercury, Mars, and Venus as well that are considered personal planets. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I resonate with that because those, those are the three that I have memorized for sure. And I I have a stellium, which is having more than three planets in one sign. I have a I have five in Capricorn myself. So I do know that I carry that around a, a bit. But those three are what I do have memorized. And when you were saying that about um sun, moon, and rising, you know what it reminded me of? Of back in the freaking aim chat days where you'd put ASL. Oh, ASL. <laughs> oh my god, age sex location. It's,
1: Yeah, it's the modern day ASL. Oh, that's <laughs> so funny. But yeah, it's yeah, Sun, Moon, and Rising has just become this this like uh business card we give <laughs> oh my to god, people. Like sh- shake funny. hands, like here you go. Yeah. Like and it, it's become this, like, level playing ground of, like, yeah. hey, like, this is who I am. yeah this You're going to tell me you're sun, moon, and rising, and now <laughs> I understand who you are. Oh, it's, a bit, yeah you know, and and maybe we'll relate to people through seeing, like, oh, your sun is my moon yeah. or my rising, yeah. and, and it becomes this common ground it of, is. like, this is the, <laughs> we know that this is the energy we have in common just through that little interaction. That is
0: a, a cool new experience that I have. I have been experiencing lately with people and like being like, oh well, we have the same whatever. <laughs> um, um yeah, what was I just gonna say? Okay, so when I I've read up on those few, right? And the way that th- that they've been described to me, so tell me if this is true. Um so this has helped me. The sun is vibrant it's illuminated and your sun sign represents who you are on the outside in that way like who you're showing up with externally and as being like the light is shine like your light that's shining out Um, and then the moon is you know it's internal basically and this is our 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 inside personality if you will and then the rising I've been told is who we are becoming
1: in this life interesting that's so, an interesting uh, framework for rising that yeah. I haven't really heard a lot okay I like the way that you described uh, the Sun yeah um, you use the word illuminating and yeah. I love that the Sun and the moon are considered the um, planetary luminaries they okay. are the two light sources. So building off of what you said, yeah. uh, the sun does illuminate. It's um, my favorite phrasing I've seen used is yeah. your energetic core. Okay. It's what what bring like what light are you bringing into your life and what light illuminates you. Okay. Um, our moon is definitely our more internal inner selves. It's our emotional yeah. self. It's um, yet yeah, our emotional reactions to things, our emotional understandings of things um it's our our inner nature um the way that I best like to describe our rising sign is it's it's how we make ourselves present in the world it's the lens that we see the world in and so when I was reading your chart I explained the houses and how the rising sign is what sets up your first house and that is what sets up the house um, placements for your entire chart. So yeah. in a way, that's the, the blueprint of the structures of our lives. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, to put it the most simply, I would describe the rising sign as the lens that you see the world through okay. and your interaction, the way you show up to interactions in the world around you. Okay.
0: So I'm a Sag rising, so how do I see... you see the world
1: um as your oyster you you show up to the world with a sense of adventure Mm -hmm. you seek to understand the world around you and you're not afraid to do so yeah it's fire energy (laughs) it's uh it is um in addition to being that world traveler, that adventure seeker, it is also the philosopher. Mm-hmm. It's also the seek to understand. Mm-hmm. It lets um take all these questions we have in our head and funnel it down into one question with one answer.
0: Wow. Yeah, okay. Heck yes. Now then you said the next three were Mars, Venus,
1: and Mercury. And Mercury.
0: Can you give like a little like what do those represent?
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. So Mercury, one of my favorite um, planets to work with, is our communication, mm-hmm. our thought process. It's uh, all things mental and in our brains. Uh, Mercury is the fastest-moving planet, um, and that's like, you know, um, a sh- and, and within astronomy, within physics, it okay. is it moves the most quickly. And if we look to mythology... In um, the archetypes, uh, the mythological Roman and Greek archetypes of uh, Hermes and the god Mercury. It was the messenger god. Mm. Um, so Mercury moves around the zodiac the most quickly, with the exception of the moon. Um, and it's the messenger. It's what's moving around between each of these areas of your life and each of these planets within your chart. And it's delivering all of the messages. Um,
0: okay. So communicator. Yeah, it's the yeah. communicator. It's
1: also the way that you sh- communicate with other people. Okay. It's the way that you like to be communicated with.
0: Do you remember what mine was?
1: <laughs> uh yours was in Aquarius. Is it
0: that was it? Yes. Right? Oh, that's yeah. So yeah. Yours is
1: your Mercury's in Aquarius. Um <laughs> which uh <laughs> Would definitely, um, so Aquarius is an air sign, yeah, and Aquarius and Aquarian Mercury is definitely a very curious Mercury. Okay. It's, um, mm. uh, air is, you know, like when you envision like the literal concept of air, it's, yeah. it needs freedom, it needs room mm. to explore and expand. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, he, uh, Aquarius is also the humanitarian that envisions a better world. And so yeah. that would translate to your thought processes seeking to move through ways that want to see the best solution to everything. Cool.
0: Yeah, that yeah. definitely checks out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, and then then oh. that was Mercury.
1: Mercury, Venus, and Mars. Yeah. So Venus and Mars are... Um, Uh, We'll start with Venus. So Venus and Mars archetypally, Venus is also kind of historically that archetype that is in line with Aphrodite or Venus, the goddess. Um, It's kind of considered all things vanity, love. Mm. Um, I like to kind of funnel that into all types of love, all types of relationships. Um, One of my favorite ways to explore um Venus is through aesthetic uh okay. like your aesthetic your style mm. your um artistic vision cool. all falls into Venus mm. um and Mars is very traditionally seen as uh you know in in mythology that's the god of War um and that can be a pretty aggressive approach to a planet um traditionally Mars would represent a aggression conflict um but i like to expand that out and a lot of modern astrologers will expand that out to also include things like passion um conflict Mm -hmm. conflict resolution how do you what's what is your instinct to conflict Mm -hmm. um it what what is the the way that you like to approach conflict uh and also on the passion side of things what are you passionate about in life and how do you show up to that passion yeah
0: cool as we were talking I started to wonder um have you heard of the attachment theory
1: a little bit I'm not super familiar but I think like yeah I've I've been hearing a little bit about it lately and I'm definitely intrigued by it I
0: yeah I think you would totally resonate with those teachings I don't know if something just came up for me of like I wonder how maybe attachment theory, um, like coincides with astrology, that, that might be something interesting to explore. Well,
1: maybe I'll have to explore it and we'll have to do a follow-up episode here. (laughs) I feel like,
0: I feel like, you know, because like the way we communicate or shut down or, you know, um, which is, which is uh, traits of different attachment styles, which is basically just quickly to say is, However, we were raised and loved or lack thereof uh, results in um, the way that we attach or don't to people in our lives in any different kind of relationship. And then also simultaneously how we show up or shut down when it comes to conflict and things like that.
1: Oh, yeah. It sounds very mercurial in Mars. Mm. Very Mercury-Mars to me. Okay. I'll definitely be checking that out.
0: Yeah, I think you would totally be interested So you were telling me that, um, you know, with your studies of art history and just like this historical background, that it gives you a different type of connection with astrology in a way. Um, So I'm curious about how like we can bring those old traditions into the modern world or modernizing astrological practices.
1: Absolutely, and um, I personally think this is one of the most important things um, that we can do today as modern mm. astrology, as modern astrologers, is work to take the this antiquated concept and bring it into the modern world where it's more accessible and inclusive of all types of people. Yeah. So to back up on that a little bit, um, you know, astrology has been, been being practiced in some form or another across so many cultures for thousands of years, yeah. you know, I mean, it, like even before written communication what did we do we looked to the sky yeah. we looked to the movement of the sun and mm-hmm. the moon to understand timing behind around us and of yeah. the, the world around us yeah. and as expert pattern readers as humans um you know we drew connections right. in time and mm-hmm. cycles and the the movement that we saw in these in these um celestial bodies um so that being said, a lot of the astrology uh, the way that we understand astrology in the modern world today is very steeped in Hellenistic concepts so like mm-hmm. ancient Roman concepts okay. Greek concepts a lot of the mythology and the archetypes behind these planets falls into what's to uh, the concepts of those cultures you okay. know I mean we have you know all these planets are literally named right after these gods okay. and goddesses. Yeah. Um so I think that there's so many ways that we can um work to bring astrology into the modern world um starting with uh degendering planets. Mm. We don't need to refer yeah. to Venus as feminine and Mars as right. masculine. Like, yeah, We that book. can women are from Mars Mars, men are from Venus no men are from Mars women are from Venus totally which yeah exactly and I've never read that book but I'm sure (laughs) there's all sorts of antiquated ideas around masculinity and femininity in it but yeah we can walk
0: outdated
1: outdated exactly and those two concepts just aren't relevant to most people mm-hmm. a lot of people anymore yeah. so we can walk away from looking at mars as this mm-hmm. masculine warrior and looking at it as conflict as conflict resolution mm-hmm. as passion as the our tendencies towards aggressiveness yeah. we don't have to have this gendered language around yeah these planets totally um i personally within my practice um, really try to stay away from dichotomy of, like, black and white language of mm. good and bad. Yeah. Um, like the duality. D- yeah, yeah. We need to look beyond that black and white nature and right. see the duality. The that everything exists on a spectrum right. and that there's so much more nuance than, yeah. in, within these things. Totally. Um, so in traditional Hellenistic astrology, Uh, certain planets are seen as benefic good and certain planets are seen as malefic and bad Mm. and having certain planets placed within certain signs is considered um, good or bad Mm. so for instance you'll have a planet in its domicile which is like where it's seen as in its home and that's good but if it's in a in a sign that's in its detriment then that's bad Mm. and I it I see that as just a pretty antiquated concept. Yeah. I think that we all have different levels of challenges in our lives yeah. that we have to rise to. Totally. And I think that this whole placing of something in a home versus versus it being in a detriment somewhere is, is very othering.
0: Right. And it feels like, um, it, yeah, like making it good or bad or right or wrong when... I like this reframe of, or it's just, chat like it's literally just being challenged from comfort. Yes. it's Home yes. and home is familiarity and home is comfort or whatever, and uh, so, yeah. What I'm hearing is, you know, when what what might be before called, would you say malefic? malefic? Malefic. So, for
1: instance, Mars was yeah. considered a malefic planet yeah. in Hellenistic astrology. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't need to look at it no, that way. It's
0: just existing in its own particular way. It's just, and like, just it a certain has, set of energy. Right. It's a certain set of energy and it, and it's supplying us with certain challenges that might be out of our comfort zone.
1: Exactly. It's
0: interesting that they put it in that box though.
1: So yeah. So using my chart as an example, um, I have Mars placed in Libra and mm. Mars is considered to be in detriment in, in its fall in Libra. Um, when it, when you say in detriment, is that just that's, out of
0: place? Yes, from the that's the like that's yeah that's whatever.
1: the that's the bad placement. Okay. Um, and traditional astrology might look at that as, as wishy washy or unable, you know, indecisive. Okay. But w- if we want to take an empowering approach to having Mars in Libra, um, you could see it as being diplomatic, mm-hmm. as being unaccepting of solutions to conflicts that don't work for everybody. Yeah.
0: Cool. I really like that reframe. That that's really that's really the direction that you know we need to be making in most things <laughs> in, in most systems, right? Agreed. Agreed.
1: <laughs> agreed. So
0: I just love this approach because I honestly haven't heard it before. Um,
1: cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My favorite example personally is the way we look at the way planets are aspected to each other. Um, you know, we see these planets as um, or within our chart, when plants are aspected to each other and they're making angles to each other in certain angles, so you have a hundred and eighty degree angle is considered an opposition, or a ninety degree angle is considered a square, and those are traditionally considered negative oppositions, oppositions that are bad or aspects that are bad to have. Whereas trines and sextiles, sixty and one hundred and twenty degree angles, um, are considered. Good and favorable mm. um, but when we take a step back we can look at these more challenging aspects these quote-unquote bad aspects yeah. as just giving us an opportunity to explore areas of friction in our life mm-hmm. and integrate it and yeah. understand something better what happens when you Make your way through a challenge. You come out on the other side right. stronger and better. Yeah. Whereas when something maybe is a little bit too natural or too easy, we right. rely on it and we might get lazy yeah. or we might start using it in using what's considered uh like that we're too good at or very good at. We might use it as um for like negative personal gain, maybe manipulation mm. or
0: yeah um
1: so it's I. I personally think it's it's all about looking at things as strengths and weaknesses and how we can use each of these parts of ourselves as strengths and and how to n- understand not to rely on them or let them be weaknesses. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's almost as if um we we are being told that it would be easier if our signs looked a specific way, but really it seems as if um, it seems as if we're just given these opportunities and um, it it wouldn't be that way if it wasn't supposed to be that way it's kind of the lens that i'm coming from if like if my chart was supposed to look this other way then it would fucking look that way <laughs> exactly exactly i
1: love that you have that outlook on it um yeah that's that's perfect
0: yeah because i mean for me it's like everything is divine so I mean, bring the challenges on, right?
1: Yeah. But you yeah. saw
0: my chart, so...
1: Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> There's definitely so much room uh, as transformation as a tool of empowerment there, which I told you how much I love that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you have any more ways we can, like, modernize some practices?
1: Um, I think that, like, for the most part, when it comes to... Using these practices and modernizing them, I think that the most important thing for all of us to realize is that the power is within the hands of the community. Mm. Um, Astrology, as I had you know referred to before, it's a language. It's a way we talk to each other. It's a way we interact with each other. It's it's a language of bonding.
0: Yeah.
1: And Mm. um, from energetically exactly, and we can. You know we can use this language to lift up each other, and um, we can use this language to be inclusive of marginalized communities. Mm. And um, yeah, it's within it's it's within the hands of the community to use astrology um, in a way that makes the world better.
0: Do you maybe have an example of how we could use it to? Better be inclusive and like assist in the marginalization of different communities.
1: Absolutely, I think that the the I mean the first the thing that comes to mind um, first and foremost is the concept of degendering planets. Right. You know, when you have folks that are non-binary, yeah, it might be very um, exclusive, and it might be really challenging to look at planets like invalidating to To look at planets like Venus and Mars, yeah. at, and and relate to them when yeah. you don't necessarily see yourself as hyper feminine or hyper masculine. Yeah. So taking those energies and blending them into something that feels more relatable. And a lot of the time, too, that's something that, um, as a professional um, or or working astrologer, um, you know that's going to be on a client by client basis. Yeah. How does you know how how can you meet every person that you interact with in this language? in a way that um you're both extracting value from it
0: okay yes so so more so from like the astrologer being inclusive is what you're speaking from like we want to like you want to offer inclusivity to the clientele but also um maybe i was seeing it from the lens of It being inclusive this information the accessibility of the information in itself um can almost be exclusive sometimes Um, yes yes so
1: yeah my answer totally was a little bit more on a on an upper level but you're right and I think over the last few years we've seen this resurgence in pop culture astrology um and there definitely are you know, it's showing up every I mean there's astrology meme accounts. There yeah. is, you know. Yeah, there is <laughs> so many. Um I mean, if anybody's on Reddit, there are so many astrology yeah. subreddits. Yeah. Um there's a lot. And I think there's definitely a certain element of maybe people kind of keeping this language as this heady, mm-hmm. um inaccessible, yeah. um, maybe trying to make it intentionally confusing mm. to keep people out. Yeah. Um, but I think that the beautiful thing is now having it in in the larger eye of, of pop culture is yeah. that there are so many people on Instagram and yeah. on TikTok who break it are down. Are revolving everything around breaking it down. Okay. There's definitely, I mean, um, the Sagittarian Mind is an Instagram account who um if you are looking for an entry point into astrology that feels accessible I would highly encourage you to check out his account because okay. he he posts just like bite-sized little infographics that yeah. just make placements and different planets and signs very relatable okay yeah that's awesome yeah okay cool he's been one of the most uh, useful. Um, accounts that I, I find very resourceful and and yeah, absolutely.
0: That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So how about, um, pulling in more on the history of the spiritual practices like tarot, wicca and things like this. Can you, um, kind of weave those things in here?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you
0: were saying that you, um, you were exploring, like, some, some Wicca, like, in the beginning of your journey, you know, you were being pulled in these few directions, and, like, I'm sure that kind of integrated into your whole experience here.
1: Definitely. Um, so I think that a part of um, modernizing practices and bringing them into the modern world um, definitely Uh, includes a level of understanding the history of them Mm -hmm. Um, astrology has a long rich complicated history and so it can be a little intimidating to break that down sometimes but uh, I think that um, when we look at these spiritual traditions in the world around us today um, we look at different practices and lineages of practices, I think that it's important to understand where they all come from. Yeah. Um, so using Wicca as an example, um, Wicca is not an ancient practice. It was founded in the 1950s oh, by wow. Gerald Gardner. Okay. It's kind of presented as this mystical long lineage of mm-hmm. Celtic spirituality And and Gerald Gardner was in the Order of the Golden Dawn. Like that is a um, a uh, occultic group from the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. Like it 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 definitely like has um, a history within Western esotericism. But understanding uh, some of these um, lines of practice and understanding where they actually come from and Um, This is going, like, in a separate, slightly separate direction than astrology specifically, but understanding where they're pulling these traditions from, yeah, um, which definitely ties into um, being mindful of cultural appropriation and what, you know, taking a look at what your spiritual practices are, why you do them, how you do them, and who did them first.
0: Mm, Okay. Do you see any, like, Wiccan practices... Like, mo- like common practices around, you know, a common culture that might be appropriative at all?
1: Absolutely. Um, one of the topics that's definitely very hot that I think most people are pretty familiar with is the use of white sage, for right. example. Yeah. Um, and that is something that is a closed indigenous American practice. Um white sage is a plant that is sacred to indigenous americans and um you know you can buy it at, at like Walmart, yeah probably. like anywhere probably, yeah. and i think that one of the things that we need to take a step back and look at is um of course there's there's the um the sense of wh- where you're buying something was it sustainably yeah. harvested right. harvested and understanding the history of that practice so understanding yeah. the history of people um, of indigenous Americans using white sage. Right. Um, and also understanding that there's so many other options of smoke cleansing. Yeah. Um, I am not going to lie. I am not an expert in mm-hmm. the use of white sage. Yeah. Um, cause it's something that I very early on in my practice had, was blessed to have a teacher that, um, shared like taught, you know, yeah. shared that knowledge with me and shared, um alternatives
0: okay what are some alternatives that people can check out
1: i think the the one of the most important things um to when you're looking towards like alternatives specifically for uh, uh burning plants and using smoke cleansing would be to look at what's readily available in your area okay, what is so bioregional like what's abundant nice exactly what's abundant what you know what can you harvest sustainably mm-hmm. without hurting the ecosystem of your area, yeah. and then also turning around and looking at the history of that plant and where it comes from and who else has used it. Yeah. So, for instance, um, a plant that plays a major role in my own practices is mugwort. Okay. So uh, mugwort is uh, indigenous to Europe. Um, It's been brought to North America. I don't remember exactly when, but it's been naturalized within North America and it is very abundant where I live. Um, It is also traditionally used by my white European ancestors. So I uh, I think that, yeah, one of the most important, especially as as a white person, as white people, that's one of the most important questions we can be asking ourselves is, what did my ancestors do Mm -hmm. before being Christianized? Mm -hmm. If you're looking to connect to spiritual practices um looking towards your own lineage can be one of the most empowering uh, ways to do so
0: yeah you were mentioning decoloning decolonizing spirituality and that's what i'm hearing like with what you just shared absolutely that, yes that is a powerful concept and a necessary one i'm curious if there are any other um ways that we can show up you know, in, in decolonizing our minds and our spirituality or the way we're showing up in the world. This is a huge, very relevant conversation. And, um, that was a great one. I'm wondering if you have any others.
1: Definitely. Um, this is something that I, um, am just find to be some of the most important work that we can be doing. Um, if you're choosing to walk a spiritual path, it's, it's some of the most important work that can, any of us can do Mm -hmm. uh, no matter what color your skin is. Um, now I am a white woman. Mm -hmm. And so the ways that I work towards decolonizing my spiritual practice is looking towards, um, you know, like I had said, uh, what, what did my ancestors do? Um, before christianization what Mm -hmm. did what do my pagan roots look like Mm -hmm. and to me that means looking towards the practices of uh of ancient britain ancient the the united kingdom Mm -hmm. towards western europe um germanic tribes and cultures um and it's a long and arduous process um i am right now um in the process of even figuring out where my roots actually go um, within okay. Europe. Because yeah. uh, no one in my family can tell me. No. <laughs> so you I'm con- taking it upon myself. Um,
0: have you considered doing a DNA test?
1: I have done a DNA oh, test, yeah. yes. Um And okay. I wasn't super satisfied with it. I also yeah. did it several years ago, so maybe... Okay. I've, I've actually been considering looking into it to see if the technology's come a little further yeah. since.
0: I think so, actually. I, I also had one done and when I logged in. Recently, to show someone, the percentages were updated a bit.
1: Oh, interesting! And
0: I think that's because what I heard is that the more data they collect, so the more people
1: who do that. I've heard the same. Right. That the more they can hone in exactly. The more absolutely data they have
0: to like specifically, yeah, hone in on where where,
1: where we're they, where we're coming um, from. Absolutely. So, for my practice specifically, um, I my jumping off point is looking towards the traditional, um, practices of the UK, yeah. of, of Welsh paganism, mm-hmm. um, of Celtic paganism, Germanic paganism, um, and I mean, looking towards primary resources, it definitely takes a lot of research. Fortunately, I love research. Yeah, <laughs> that That's, that's, I mean, I think that's part of what draws me to this path. Right. Um, but I think another way we can work towards decolonizing our spiritual practices, particularly as white folks, yeah. is um, learning to recog- a research, you know, learning. you've got to research, you've got to look, yeah. you've got to understand, you've got to understand where... These practices originated and where they started. The
0: accountability for. Exactly. Who did it first Mm -hmm. and
1: why were they doing it?
0: Yeah. And then give acknowledgement in that same way.
1: Exactly. And so, for instance, um, as, uh, um, you know, if we take the practice of hoodoo and voodoo, Mm -hmm. that is a a spiritual tradition that is steeped in African history. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of practices with hoodoo and voodoo that are considered closed practices, okay. which means that they are not open yeah. to non-initiates. Mm. So people who generally are within that cultural lineage, I'm, I'm even going to take out the word generally, um, it, it just within that cultural lin- lineage um, that have been taught by uh, their by someone who was taught. Yeah, like passing down. Passing down. Yeah. Um, and when we look at the traditions of hoodoo and voodoo, um, the way that they exist now is because um, enslaved people were brought to America and were not allowed to practice their religions. Right. And so they covered it with Christianity so as a as a white person, it's not okay for me to do that yeah. because my ancestors oppressed right. the practices of their ancestors, mm-hmm. and the reason that their practices look the way they do is because they were preserving and saving. And so for right. me to go in and try to own that practice as my yeah. own is wrong. It's disrespectful. It's very disrespectful. It's
0: totally out of line, even. Yeah, that's powerful.
1: And yeah, the narrative within the world at large has truly changed over the last years and so many, our eyes are being opened to so many things and we've all done, we've all appropriated, we've all done it without realizing. Right. And and how can we move forward and, yeah. and, rec- and reclaim things? Right. And reclaim the narrative and learn to be more respectful towards right. each other. Yeah, like humble
0: down enough to basically say okay word i don't know shit i don't yeah. know enough that's for sure yeah and um and and that's probably the biggest step you know because people are so attached to you know what they think they know and what they have already convinced themselves they know and it's quite scary to surrender reality as we know it and say actually i'm not quite sure um, where these practices came from or what my role in practicing them.
1: Exactly. Even. Exactly. <laughs> Why am I burning this sage? Because I saw it on the shelf in Sephora or because uh-huh. I went to some new age shop right. that is steeped in appropriated Eastern spiritualism?
0: I think it's like a double-edged sword because part of me wants to say, I think it's amazing that some so many mainstream stores have these spiritual tools and resources on the shelves to me that shows how far we've come as a collective and consciousness just to fact the fact that that you can go to walmart and buy sage or whatever yet is that not around the time where we need to start asking questions if these things are that accessible to us um and it's not coming with um like education you know then is that not the time to be a little bit more skeptical? I mean, at the same time, I do love that the typical normie (laughs) can just buy um, these things off the shelves and maybe integrate that into their day-to-day life. Like That's a cool thought. And yet, the more mainstream and, like, nonchalant we become, the, the like, loss of the integrity of the practices is kind of happening at the same time. It's like, are we really showing up in full in- integrity? And if we can't offer that, then maybe we shouldn't
1: <laughs> yeah, be doing like, it at all. I really like the way you framed that. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. It's, mm. you know, well, and I mean... Um, taking Walmart as a specific example, yeah. it's like, well, why are they carrying it? Exactly. That's capitalism, baby. That's capitalism, that's, capitalism, that's like, profit, and that's commodification. The, they're capitalizing off of cultures that they've
0: oppressed. S- oppressed. And like, they're colonizing <laughs> basically <laughs> off of these practices, which is the same as Absolutely. capitalism in its own right. Whoa.
1: Yeah. I think, um, yeah, just being mindful of um everything you're reading when you're researching or when you're reading a book um that is considered centered around spirituality i think the biggest question to ask yourself is who is saying this to yes. me what is their relationship to this practice or mm-hmm. to this spiritual line of thought yeah and why yeah are they capitalizing the is, yeah, the off of big. somebody's culture yeah, yeah. the why is huge um are they capitalizing off of somebody else's spirituality? Mm-hmm. Are they um, qualified to be telling qualified. me about this pra- that's practice? Huge.
0: That's that's honestly something that I personally have kind of r- rubbed against the wrong edge of in the like um, modern day pseudo spiritual projections. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that we're experiencing of. Um, like what makes you a master what makes you what makes you a reliable source basically for me to trust as i lean in and like i'm so vulnerable when i'm when I'm in my beginning spiritual stages, we are so vulnerable. We are so susceptible. We're
1: so hungry for knowledge, right. which is a beautiful, it's, beautiful thing.
0: And we're vulnerable. So, like, what, whom, whom and what we take from during those moments... Is, we're so
1: impressionable.
0: Exactly. And, like, that's honestly... Like on the on the crazy side of the spectrum, like that's how cults. I was literally just about
1: to say (laughs) cults. I was literally just about to bring cults into the narrative. Like it's it's just
0: that's that is exactly because they see like when you have like this fragile open mind that is like ready for, you know, thirsty for knowledge. Then it's the most um, it's the most, you know, manipulative.
1: Like somebody can come in and manipulate absolutely or. You know, I like to say we should be weary of how hard we subscribe to... Anything. Anything. Honestly. Exactly. Always ask questions. I mean, even within your own spiritual practices, like, always stop and ask yourself. Always check in with yourself. Always take a step back and look at what you're doing. Dude, yeah, I, um...
0: And, and a few things just came up for me. <laughs> One of them is how can we check in with ourselves? And I just want to briefly say the easiest way to check in with yourself is to monitor and just scan the body when you're like, let's just say you're reflecting on something. Like you're like, is this, is this right? Does this feel good to me? Does this feel resonant? Maybe, um, you know, a simple way of checking in with that would just to be in a safe place, that is, you know, not not affected by out, outward energy. so somewhere maybe in your home where you feel safe and just closing down um, external stimulation. so in a way, we call that meditation, right? And then thinking of the the thought that you're trying to sit with and then observing, scanning the body slowly from the top to the bottom as you're thinking about this. Now we can we can sometimes pick up on, constriction in the chest or constriction in the body and we can feel like wait this doesn't feel resonant with me like I'm doing um you know maybe you're trying to check in with so should I keep burning this white sage or not and then you're sitting there and your whole body's like oh this honestly I feel a little concerned that's your body trying to give you a signal um and it's an it, it, it's just our bodies are constantly talking to us and it's just an easy way to tap into what feels resonant or not is through the body. Um, and I'm trying to think what else we were just saying.
1: I don't know, but I love that you default into the body as being the way to check in. Mm, like intuition. That's all your earth energy. <laughs> because like my, my, I'm the opposite. I have a lot right. of, I'm air. I have an air Steli. I'm in my chart. I'm very air. Mm. And um, I my, my way to approach that same concept is to ask questions to yourself is to ask questions and like continually seek resources and
0: yeah yeah that's i mean so in my body i'm asking a question but it's internal and i like how yours is external
1: Mm -hmm. oh that's so
0: interesting with all the earth in my chart, it's like going down root, like
1: rooting in rooting in and understanding like how how something feels whereas i'm like let's let's explore this let's look outward let's outward curiosity yeah, let's let's let curiosity take hold. What a it just is another example of how, you know, we just need to to find what works for for you and find the approach that works for you.
0: Totally. And so circling back around to um, checking in with yourself, I actually one time signed up for this mystery school, Donna mystery school. Found out about it when I went to this mind body conference in Denver and, you know, there was this cool thing set up with uh, basically a bunch of plants set like, connected to um, like the same system of a lie detector test actually and you could go listen to the sounds of the plants and it was like re- they, they were they even had the guy who housed the plants like played violin with them and he even had the CDs there that you can like the singing with the plants
1: or whatever that's dope or playing <laughs> with
0: the plants whatever it was it was just so fascinating that I went to their booth after and found out that they had this mystery school and I signed up And I was so excited. I was so excited and I felt so what I perceived to be as resonant and like, um, anyways, ended up going and a few days in, I just got this off vibe. There just, there were some things happening with the instructors. There were some things happening with the material itself just didn't feel right to me. In my whole system, um, I could I didn't want to believe that it felt off because
1: I was so stoked. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's really hard to to separate your excitement right. from what. Yeah. I really wanted it to be
0: something magical, and like a lot of other people there were resonating. So that's another reason why it felt weird to not be fully resonant. But anywho, um, I ended up in a meditation, which was one of the assignments we were doing, and I just had this overwhelming, like like higher self chat. Like my higher self came through and was basically like, nah, the same for us. And um I I ended up leaving the program even though you weren't supposed to. And I feel like the um the teachers themselves um like could feel that with me as well because they even gave me a refund that I was not supposed to get because um, the way that I worded it after class was like, I just have this huge download that this isn't right for me. And I know that, um, you know, I'm not supposed to drop out, but i think you can feel where i'm at and um whatever you think is best and they they gave me the refund and it's just it's just really interesting that is very interesting um yeah and then to be honest i later looked more into it and i found out a bunch of sketchy shit about it yeah and i was like wow that was my system yeah telling me like even though i wanted to be into it um it ended, you know, it's just interesting the way that our body and our mind, like, we already know, like, it's our intuition, you know, yes. like listening to
1: yes. the body,
0: listening to the heart. Um, yeah. So, so with that being said, easily, you know, you know, we were talking about being easily manipulated. If I was someone who wasn't as in touch with myself, yet still fully open and thirsty for knowledge like I was... I could have low key been indoctrinated, yo.
1: Absolutely, that's <laughs> such a common thing in in particularly like New Agey right. circles. It's it, it um, very charismatic people totally. will definitely seize on this concept of people seeking answers. I mean, it's really not unlike the way that Christianity has operated totally. through history. No. It's it's it's. Um, yeah, it's a common, unfortunate, it, it, scary thing. It is
0: scary, too. And I, I had one teacher um, refer to, especially because of social media, we have a lot of coaches, we have a lot of whatevers. People on who
1: want to sell you their coaching. People who want
0: to sell you themselves is the way that I kind of perceive it. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like spiritual growth and healing is not supposed to be follow me in my path. It's supposed to be... In my opinion, um, picking and choosing from many, many experiences, many earthly experiences and saying, oh, this is what works for me and integrate it into your practice.
1: Absolutely. But not
0: like, hey, I figured all this shit out. Pay me three grand and I'll tell and you. And I'm how- going to
1: tell you the tell way. Tell you how to do it. And do you want to get to the next level of ascension? Because that'll be another two grand. Right. <laughs> like,
0: it is oh. it is it is
1: very important to be mindful of who we're giving our money to right. and, and what they're selling us their motives
0: as well absolutely and, like... and
1: what their motives are i mean even like astrology is not a one-size-fits-all language right. and i definitely like to make sure that i invite people to uh take what resonates and leave behind what doesn't right. and continually check in pe- with people throughout um the session because just because i say something that doesn't resonate doesn't mean that astrology doesn't apply to you right. or that it can't work for you. Totally. Let's just like redirect the conversation and yeah. see where it does work for you.
0: Right. And and also like had we had our session several years ago, and you were telling me about the Aquarius in my chart, I would have been like, "Fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> not not actually, but you know, um, you know what I mean by that is throughout life we we ebb and flow between what we're willing to receive, right? Absolutely. So, like, I'm, you know, people might might be like, oh, that isn't me, you know? That's yeah. not me at all. In fact, I have one friend who's a, who's a Scorpio son, and when we met, you could not feel that from her at all. Like, it was just, we were both confused by it. Well, five years later, however long it's been, she's so in her Scorpio energy now.
1: Absolutely. It, it changes. It's very interesting. I think so, I, I think it does... Um, it changes very much and you know we have different seasons of our Mm -hmm. lives and and we ebb and flow it with different energies throughout our lives and there are astrological techniques that address this directly um we look at this through progressions and charts and and a lot of that um but long story short we do definitely relate to different energies in different ways of our lives and when I first looked started looking at my chart and learning my chart, I have a lot of strong Capricorn placements, and I looked at that and I was like, "What the fuck? No, <laughs> like, no, no." Sense. Also, I hate this and I don't accept this. And now, <laughs> I relate to my Capricorn mm. placements almost more than anything else in my chart oh. at this moment in time. Yeah, um, I have. Um, yeah, I have, it, and that has to do with some of the transits I've been experiencing yeah. over the last few years as well, and and just certain parts of my chart that have been getting activated um, by current planetary movement, and, um, but, yeah, there's a time and season for everything, and we receive information when we're meant to, and we receive yeah, things exactly. when we're meant to, mm-hmm. and... Sometimes we might receive something and we might not be ready for right. it. That's, It'll come back. Yeah, It'll be there. Totally. It'll come back when you're ready. Mm-hmm. It might continually come back for you. And, you know, you'll accept it when you're ready.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm curious. Um, well, I, I trust me, I'm not that fucking curious because I've <laughs> been through it. But for the listeners, um, a pattern that shows up in everybody's life is the, the Saturn return.
1: Oh, the Saturn Return's a fun topic.
0: <laughs> you cheer a little bit? My Saturn Return was some shit, girl. Okay, so why don't you give the listeners a little drop-in about what they can expect around what age?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Saturn Return is definitely a hot topic. I think it's something that, you know, as pop culture astrology is kind of growing and people are really turning their attention towards it, I feel like the Saturn Return is one of the concepts that has been getting blown up. Um, so Saturn, um, if you're not familiar with your chart, um, every planet is, has a placement and your chart is a picture, um, a snapshot of the sky from the time and place you were born. It will always look the same. Your planet, your birth chart will never change. It is the blueprint of you. Um, so we'll look towards where Saturn is in your chart. Um, so when a planet returns to its natal positioning, it has gone around the entire 360 degrees of the zodiac and reached your natal placement again. So um, each planet does this in different speeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saturn will spend about two and a half years in each sign, um, and it takes about 29 years to return to um, to make a full, complete circle around the zodiac. Okay. So Your Saturn return is something that you experience when you're, you know, it's different for everybody, but give or take, it's going to be right around 29. Okay. Um, And, you know, in the greater eye of, of astrology within the realm of of pop culture and the way that, um, it's interpreted by the public. The Saturn return is kind of seen as this thing that is just, you go through it. It is the throes of life and it's gnarly. And we're supposed to be scared of it because it's gonna suck. And, and it's, and you know what? You better buckle up because here it's coming. Um, But here's what I like to look at Saturn return as. So Saturn is the planet of structure. It's the planet of um, rules and um, lessons, the lessons that are brought to us in our lifetime. Uh, Saturn is uh, systems, the systems of our lives, the systems of the world around us. Um, So when we experience our Saturn return, what we're really experiencing is this check-in point of, Mm. you know, what lessons have you been getting presented in your Mm. life up to this point? Mm. Have you learned those lessons? If you haven't learned those lessons, it might be a rough time. Mm. If you have learned those lessons, it might not be so hard. Um, Everybody kind of experiences their Saturn return on a different spectrum. Um, Personally, uh, leading up to my own Saturn return, which happened... Last year in the pandemic, um, which was wild, um, I really was at a point of friction in my life. I was at a really, really difficult moment um, where things were really confusing and didn't make sense, and I felt lost. Mm-hmm. And um, at the ex- at, during the span of time the, the my Saturn return, the exact degree of my Saturn return happened were some of the roughest months of my life. So because of retrograde, I experienced it once. It happened. And then, you know, Saturn keeps moving forward. And just like a Mercury, a Mercury retrograde, it stops. Um, it's an optical illusion. And then moves backwards and then moves back forward. So I experienced my natal Saturn degree return three times. And <laughs> over the span of, uh like, nine months or so. Okay. And... It was a really interesting, rough nine months, Mm -hmm. especially towards the end. Um, Now, ever since that moment of time in my life happened, I have found that things have been flowing with an ease and inspiration and have been making sense more than they have in years. Okay. Um, Cool. But ultimately, what our Saturn return does is it kind of puts you into your adult life. It is... When you come out on the other side of your Saturn return, it's you defining the structures of your life as an adult. How are you showing up in the world as the authority of your own life?
0: Mm, That's awesome. It's kind of reminding me of, I don't know if you've you've heard about this, but the chakras, uh, there's seven chakras in the body. They all represent a different energy. Um, But it's said that we go through the seven chakras as well, through seven increments of life as, as well. That's so interesting. So, like, interesting. the first seven years are the, the, the root chakra, and then the seven through 14 is the sacral, where we learn about our sexuality, and we start having crushes and stuff like this. And then 14 through 21 is the third chakra, willpower, et cetera, and it goes and it goes. And then and then uh, for seven times seven is 49, and then you hit 50, and it restarts, and then it reminds me of like midlife crisis, right?
1: That's so interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. And then
0: each year within the seven also represents the chakras. So if you're 1 year old, you're your your first chakra first year. But then when, gotcha. you're years, yeah, yeah. You're, when you're 2 years old, you're the second chakra of the first chakra or whatever. Um so but each 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 little segment and year represents a particular set of lessons. And it's kind of reminding me of what you were just saying about, you know, and then you, after your Saturn return, it's like you're, you you know you're it's time to yeah the next part of life yeah
1: well and you know theoretically we have a second saturn return when we're 60 okay, you know have, is is there, yeah it happens there, okay just so just like our solar return happens every year because okay. that's the cycle of the sun yeah and that's your birthday right um yeah our saturn return will happen every 29 we should be
0: celebrating hours. these days
1: shouldn't we i love i that. i agree too i i am not i don't think i'm the first person to say this i feel <laughs> like i've heard it on another astrology podcast i listen to at some point mm-hmm. but yes we should be having saturn return parties yeah we, and, and, yes. and all the other
0: ones too I oh absolutely pluto wouldn't be we couldn't because it it's takes 250, 250 years. years but you know
1: who's uh <laughs> reaching their pluto return very soon is the united states oh
0: interesting as fuck
1: yes so pluto represents death, death transformation right. rebirth uh the breaking down of what well, we know it's the hidden underworld. What the fuck? Yes. That is extremely I interesting with everything I have we're a going blog through. post cooking in my brain okay. that I've been wanting to write for a while. I okay. have a little bit more time I I need to get it more fleshed out. Yes, do so, you have
0: can you drop your blog name for us? Absolutely. <laughs>
1: um my so you can find me at my website uh, and That's it's what the spelled e? Oh, it's spelled C O R I A N N E. Yes. Is how okay. I spell my name. Um, And then what about social media? um, I'm still working on cultivating and finding, like, a balance within social media presence for myself um, because... Before kind of embarking on this journey of trying to break into a professional. Yeah. Um, a, a, social media did not play a huge role in my life, right. and I'm trying to, to- find, like, yeah. a balance of totally. promoting myself yeah. while also remaining authentic in my lack of desire to be on social media. I totally um, respect
0: that and honestly love that.
1: Yeah, but I am trying to get into a habit of posting regularly with different transits and, and moon cycles. Yeah. So I would definitely, um, my in. Encourage you to follow me on Instagram if you'd like to. My Instagram handle is at Corey Ann underscore Der. Coriander, it's C O R I A N N E underscore D E R. Okay, I will yeah. definitely
0: uh, connect that on the show notes as well. Awesome for them. Yeah. Um, I also had a question. I would have repeatedly been told to use the pattern app. I feel like you have probably been told about this app. I. No?
1: Um, no, I know the Pattern app. Okay. Um. Don't love it. Um, I was
0: going to ask your opinion about it. There's
1: not, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't have a ton of experience with the app. I had it on my phone for a little while, and then I switched phones, and then, like, you know, you, you yeah. have to re-download all your old apps. Yeah. I, you, I like to start off very minimally, yeah. and bring things up on a need basis um, just to like clean out. Mm -hmm. Um, And I never re-downloaded the pattern. So I honestly don't know. I know CoStar is one that's out there that's very hot and exciting to people. Um, Don't love CoStar either. Um, It doesn't um, really, um, I mean, I know that for years they didn't even have an astrologer on their staff. Oh,
0: whoa. Yeah. So they
1: were kind of just like, you know, uh, sometimes like CoStar insights are very like scary and like yeah. intimidating, okay, and yeah. it just kind of. Um, it's been it's been a couple years since I've had CoStar on my phone too, so honestly, I'm pretty removed from it. Yeah. But if you are looking to find an astrology app, um, to kind of interact with on a day to day basis, especially one that feels a little bit more introductory, that's very accessible. Uh, Chani Nicholas is a very popular astrologer. Um, I think she's the astrologer for Oprah Magazine. Okay. Um, but she's fantastic, and she has a really great app that is um, just really beautiful, aesthetically okay. beautiful. It presents things in very, like, positive ways. Amazing. And, yeah, she drops weekly, like, um, horoscope podcast type situations okay. for people. Um, I really like Time Nomad, and that one's just a very – it doesn't really – give you like predictions or horoscopes or anything like that it's like what's the chart for right now I can enter my chart I can look at my transits yeah so it takes a little bit more understanding of what you're looking at but that's one of my favorite interfaces to use
0: I think it's interesting about the co-star and not having an astrologist on their their uh, crew and then tying that back into how you know as like as someone who's open and looking for like knowledge that we can just so easily get set up with something that is totally not.
1: Yeah. Not really like what. Exactly. It's that,
0: it's that manipulation piece again, and the commodification of uh, practice that seems to be like diluting Mm -hmm. the integrity of these, these things. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: definitely agree with that. I like, I like your phrasing on that a lot. Um, yeah, I've I've become pretty far removed from um, you know what with CoStar and and the pattern and all these apps. I yeah. I don't really use them, mm-hmm. um, and I just don't pay attention to yeah. them because I don't need to and I don't really want to. Yeah. Um, but I've definitely heard a lot of discourse over the last few years yeah. within like my own astrological communities yeah. and and um, uh, a, a kind of bringing light to. Um, the lack of validity okay. and the lack of reliability on yeah. um, those apps. Another really great resource I would recommend people to seek out if you're looking for an accessible resource is um, Aliza Kelly has a really strong Instagram presence and she has a private Discord community um, that you can access through Patreon and okay. she has different levels mm. Um I think the lowest level is five dollars a month. Of okay. course I would really like to be able to stick to just giving people free recommendations, mm-hmm. but there yeah. you know, there are some um, you know, different levels of yeah, totally. of things. Exactly. I know Channy has both of Channy Nicholas has both a free and paid version of her app. Cool. Um and of course you get more out of the paid, but mm-hmm. the free one is still really great yeah. as well.
0: It sounds like what I'm hearing is your advice would be to do your own research and do your own like, um, navigation through the journey of astrology versus just relying. Although it's nice to have, you know, the convenience of an app or two, um, I'm hearing that it's probably best to just
1: do your own. Absolutely. Um, I think a large part specifically when it comes to a practice like astrology, where there's so many different traditions and it's grown and morphed so much over hundreds thousands of years Mm. um uh when we take that and and look at the modern practice of astrology today every practitioner and every teacher has their own voice and their own approach and we're all unique individuals who um you know it's very mercurial how do we like to receive information what feels good to us when we're receiving information so it definitely takes a little seeking out um uh what resonates with you the most and whose approach resonates with you yeah. the most
0: well if people are resonating with your approach <laughs> can they so what would be the best way to hit you up on your um on your website
1: um uh you can go uh to my website and there on the very bottom of the page there's a feedback form if you just want to drop me a message mm-hmm. uh you can book a reading there's a tab for booking readings cool. on my website um, which there's a button to redirect communication there you can reach me at my email um, which is how I do my bookings at the moment I eventually would like to shift to a more efficient system but we'll get there mm-hmm. um, but my my email is astrology.com or at gmail.com cool. same I'll, spelling I'll bring all
0: this info in the notes too so it's right there for them as absolutely.
1: well. absolutely perfect
0: is there any other juicy nugs you want to drop before we call it a day
1: Um, I suppose I just want to leave you all with, um, a message of, um, you know, just encouraging you to, um, don't be intimidated in seeking out the spiritual path that works for you. Mm -hmm. Don't be intimidated, um, by, uh, being afraid to research. Uh, Mm -hmm. don't be afraid to ask questions, um, because it's. Not an easy process, but finding teachers or finding, you know, the teachings that you seek, um, there's just so much out there. Yeah. There's so much information out there. There's so many resources that are out there available to us. When
0: you're ready, what you seek is seeking you.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Yay. Well, thank you so much. It was great to have you and see you.
1: Thank you. It was great to be here. It's great to see you.
0: (laughs) All right, folks, over and out.